Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? It's time once again for the CFBDynasty.com podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Knowles, alongside these two local yokels over here, Brian McElfresh and Doug Gravely. Guys, how you doing with only, what'd you say before the podcast, Doug? 37 days until the start of the college 37, bro. Season? 37. That's exciting. Gives Heck me some yeah. chills up my back. I got some chills <laughs> up my back. Yeah, no yeah, doubt, man. man. I'm super stoked. Yeah, man. I'm glad to see that... Uh, that Fantrax, the uh, one of the main providers for college fantasy football, has finally started clearing off the uh, the guys that are graduated or moved on to the pros, so that that way we have a little bit cleaner uh, cleaner draft room. Uh, I'd like to see them be able to get their their projections up there because now it's just everything still based on twenty twenty two stats in your draft room, but at least it's getting closer. At least you know what? What's that? I I root for that. Me too. For the drafts well, that I go into because of the rankings that we put together. You know what, I, agree I, hope, on I hope people are unprepared <laughs> and just focus on fan tracks. I hope Mike Davis is not watching this show, and I hope he's <laughs> going to rely on those 2022 <laughs> stats. But uh, we'll see what happens. All right, guys. So, uh, you know, if you, if you make a mistake, you, you, you want to give it a second try and a third try. Oh in, in college football, you know, some guys have given it a fourth year or a fifth year or a sixth year or a seventh year like Frank Harris. And we've been having fun with Frank Harris, talking about him trying to collect social security before he gets out of college. But then Bradley Rosner <coughs> from Rice said, hold my root beer. <laughs> and he decided he's going to transfer to my boys NC State for his eighth year of college eligibility eighth year bmac doug what do you think about a dude that's going to be needing a walker soon still playing college football what do you thought what are your thoughts i mean with I all his injuries good... it sounds like he's already on a walker <laughs> i just think it's a good fit for nc state where you'll get a, a kind of a proven guy good route runner etc good blocker in the run game like i think he's gonna be a, a solid addition he'll get a lot of playing time he's well he's a big target really big target so i think that helps because i don't know um i mean matt you would probably know this more than more than i but i don't know who really their big target guy is if they even have one this year honestly i I, I can tell you our wide receiver core outside of a mecca amezi um a couple years ago has been a complete crapshoot i mean there's a couple of guys that'll probably step up this year but i wouldn't touch from a fantasy perspective uh, an NC State wide receiver, maybe even Thayer Thomas last year. I wouldn't really touch an NC State wide receiver otherwise because it was such such a mess. Had a lot of good guys, but the offense just was not designed to get them the ball. So uh, hopefully with um, Robert and I going to be there, um, hopefully this guy is going to get some some usage. I mean, that's a big, huge body. Um, but, yeah, so we'll have to see. But, yeah, he's probably going to be go jump right up to the top of the list as far as guys that may actually uh, be worth having on your squad. Yeah, it could be a – Really big body, you know, red zone target for sure at six foot five. I mean, he's he's just a big dude, so could be somebody to look forward to in term of uh, touchdown receptions. But 
I don't know much do, about him, honestly. So yeah, I just think it's unbelievable that the dude is in his eighth year. And so there might be people out there wondering how the heck is a person able to be in their eighth year of college sports and haven't actually worked. So he was at Cisco Junior College in 2016. 2016. Think about that for a second. This dude graduated high school in 2016. <laughs> Had an injury red shirt at Cisco Junior College in 2016. Injury red shirt in Cisco Junior College in 2017. Played 2018, 2019 there. Then had his COVID year. So everybody was off for COVID. Then he transferred to Rice and played two years at Rice. Now he's getting that bonus here. So he had the two years for injury and COVID, which is what gave him the ability to be able to play this eighth year. So he's, this is only going to be his actual fifth year of play. But he's been in college now for eight years, which is just nuts. So I wonder if he's, uh, like I said, is he getting his his his, uh, his doctorate degree? Is he getting his eighth degree? Is he getting, you know, what is he doing? Has he gone and gotten every single degree you possibly can at these schools? <laughs> this is crazy. Eighth year in college sports. Yeah, he's ready to go. He's ready for the workforce, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. He, he wants a job in Searchalytics, I'm telling you. <laughs> Come on, we need some help. All right, so this this podcast, junior there. So Um, this podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, conference specific. We know there's a lot of you guys out there that either a or in conference only leagues, or you're someone that has a um, conference bent where you you specifically want to look at certain conferences. Um, So today we're going to look at the SEC and the Pac-12, and uh, we're going to take a look at the players that are out there and. just yesterday, the Pac-12 put out their own first-team Pac-12 list. So we're going to start there because that'll give you some good uh, some good insight as to who the Pac-12 thinks their best players are. Now, will that translate over into good fantasy? Will that translate over for those of you that are going um, college to pro into people that may potentially get drafted higher? Hard to say, but we're going to go over some of the names. I know BMAC has pulled up some other forms as well. Uh, some other lists as well, so we can kind of compare, you know, what one person's opinion is compared to another. First of all, yes. First of all, let me just say some <laughs> updates real yes. quick for those of you uh, checking out the screen on YouTube here. You can kind of see and follow along, you know, some of the new additions um, to the rankings. So we've got kickers out now. We've got defenses out. We've got the first cheat sheet out, and then we added bye weeks in there um you see a brutal one there for usc uh, week 13 bye that's gonna really affect uh playoffs so these are things that as you go into the draft you know you've got to consider obviously um how does that change things for you in terms of caleb williams probably not at all but you know you need a really good quarterback yeah, that, that can uh, start for you in week 13. So yeah, that yeah, definitely uh definitely doesn't change Caleb Williams like you said. You know, hey, if I if I'm going to be running with him, I better have somebody else that's going to be a darn stud because unless you want to be dug in it in the championship week, you better have a quarterback that's going to be able to play because you clearly right. know he can't even yeah. play in championship week. Yep. I mean, if you mm. just want second place, like you could go with Caleb Williams and then a few freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um but in general, yeah, boom, that's all added. That's all here on the uh, Draft Central. So as you go to Draft Prep, Draft Central, boom, there's everything. And really, uh, you know, we have had an increase in subscribers on YouTube. That helps us a lot. Please do 
like, comment. That really helps a ton too. But of course, you can sign up and uh, get access to all these rankings. As uh, we've got keeper yet to be done, and then dynasty slash devi league um, yet to be done. So those are coming and and on the way. But so Matt, I don't have the the Pac-12 um, <clears throat> list that you have pulled up. I think um, like you brought up a good way to kind of go about it and right. go through conference all Americans, but I do have my Phil Steele here and our rankings kind of ready to discuss as we go over pack 12 players to target. Um, and then just some oddities out there as we get into even just the all American first team. Um, so, so what we'll do then, since you don't have it up, um, instead of going down first team offense, second team offense, and then, uh, um, honorable mention, we'll just do a per position. So we'll do quarterback, here's your first team, second team, honorable mention. That way we're talking about those positions as we go. How's that? Perfecto. All right, so Pac-12 just yesterday put out their conference rankings. Um, quarterback, first team, literally have already talked about him, should be the top guy on your draft board, Caleb Williams from USC. Um, second team quarterback is Michael Penix from Washington, which – if you followed college fantasy football or college football last year, he ran one of the top offenses in the entire country. And then third team is Bo Nix from Oregon. So um, if you've been watching this podcast, if you've heard us, even back to last year, those are three names that you heard talked about on a regular basis. Those are three names you've heard talked about in the offseason. Uh, BMAC, Doug, what do you think about the Pac-12 and their rankings of Caleb Williams at one Michael Penix at two, and then uh, Bo Nix at, at number three as their quarterbacks for this upcoming season. I think it's uh, <clears throat> pretty consistent across the board, honestly. I um, think you could make an argument for um, rising in Utah at some point, but I think those top three are, in my opinion, the top three. So, Yeah, I think that's pretty easy, and yeah, Phil Steele's got it. You know, similar Caleb Williams, Penix, Bo Nix, and then, yeah, rising forward. And if you were to look at the uh, CFBDynasty.com cheat sheet that BMAC just talked about, you'll see the the same thing. you got uh, Caleb Williams is ranked number one overall. Bo Nix is actually ranked higher from a fantasy perspective um, than Michael Penix. Bo Nix is actually the number two quarterback. And then uh, Michael Penix is ranked fifth. And then Cameron Rising that you just spoke about is ranked 30th. Um, that doesn't mean that the rising is not a good quarterback because he's the fourth best quarterback as far as our rankings go. Uh, mm -hmm. And Utah's got a very potent offense. Uh, just shows the difference between those top three guys and, and the next level. Right. Yeah. You've got, you know, Bo Nix, who's, you know, he uses that dual threat capability all the time. So that's going to be a reason why he's, you know, higher than most in our rankings because from a fantasy perspective, not just a, all conference team. We look at it. Remember, we look at it as a fantasy in a fantasy way. Um, of course, quarterbacks that can do both are going to be higher on our list than probably just a Pac-12 all conference team list. Yeah, one guy that we have on the list that is actually slotted above Cameron Rising is uh, Jaden Delora from Arizona. Is at twenty six on the cheat sheet. So it just shows that uh, right now you've talked about five of the top thirty quarterbacks coming out of the Pac-12. Uh, so that's uh, that's a pretty good representation for them in the uh, in the tops of the rankings. Yeah, the Pac-12 last year had 
essentially tied for the most quarterbacks that ended as a QB one or QB two, meaning they're a 20 top 24 quarterback in, in fantasy. So the PAC 12 had 22.3% of the top 24 and the sec had 22.4%. So these were the top two conferences the SEC, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, has a ton of turnover at the position. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Pac-12 is all returning. Um, yeah, so two of the top five um, last year. Caleb Williams was number one. Bo Nix was number five in terms of overall fantasy production out of the quarterback position. So I think this, of all the positions we're going to talk about across all the conferences, is the most stable one that we're starting with. Pac-12 yeah, that's and quarterback. To think about the instability of the Pac-12 in and of itself, for there to for that to be the most stable position in fantasy is very interesting. Yeah, I'll throw this screen share back up because I, it's valuable this time of year to look back at what we learned. This was a January article. We did a show on what we learned uh, by position, so you can see, and then you can click and view all like these uh, positions and how they did last year. And kind of little scatter plot and a pie chart of the conference breakdown. Where did the top performers come from? And then, yeah, you're looking at turnover like we just talked about. So um, the other thing here is top 24 quarterbacks by class, senior and junior dominate the fantasy top 24. And that's what you're getting also out of these quarterbacks. So any way you slice the data... These are prime, prime targets um, in fantasy this year. All right, so now we'll move on to running back. And running back in the Pac-12 is interesting. Um, Their top guy is uh, Damian Martinez out of Oregon State. And the the reason why I say that I think that that's interesting (coughs) is that Damian Martinez is the obviously the top-ranked guy on our fantasy cheat sheet from the Pac-12. But he's at 16. We talked about three quarterbacks from the Pac-12 in the top five. The Pac-12 doesn't put their first running back on the CFBDynasty.com cheat sheet until 16. Um, We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to those thoughts in a minute. So first team, they've got Damian Martinez from Oregon State, Bucky Irving from Oregon. Second team, you got Jaden Ott from California, Carson Steele from UCLA, and then uh, the honorable mentions are Michael Wiley from Arizona, Cameron Scatibo from Arizona State, Austin Jones, USC, Nakia Watson from Washington State. So what do you guys think about uh, about the difference between the stability at that quarterback position compared to the running back position um, in the Pac-12? Well, I think it is birthed from the fact that it's all dual-threat quarterbacks where you, know, you get in the red zone and they're taking a chunk of the the running back touchdowns, which are so valuable. I do agree. I think Damian Martinez is the best. Um, And with DJU there, he is dual threat, but runs a little bit less. And I think he'll, he'll be more of a pocket passer probably this year in that offense. Um, So I like Martinez pretty easily as the top running back. I agree with you on that. I agree. And yeah, what about you? What about you, Doug? What do you think about uh, Martinez, and Bucky Irving, and the first team, and then Jaden and Carson Steele on the second I, team? I like um, Martinez um, for the simple fact of 
they have a lot of offensive linemen returning at Oregon State. Um, but, you know, again, I'm kind of a – I always like to look at the next man up and see who I think could challenge for that spot. And I think Carson Steele could potentially, by the end of the year, challenge for the number one running back spot in the Pac-12. I just think he's a beast. I think he's a force. And – um, we'll see what happens. But uh, as of right now, going into the season, you'd have to go Martinez just because simple fact for me that a lot of their offensive line is back. At Cal, do you all worry about um, Byron Cardwell going there from Oregon? And now he'll probably take some from Ott. Um, that one gives me a little bit of pause to kind of see how that plays out. Ott's awesome, but BMAC, do you have those uh, stats that you just pulled up for quarterbacks about the uh, the classes? Yeah. Because I'm sure you're going to see it be totally different when it comes to running back because uh, you you rarely are going to see senior running backs performing at a high level because normally a running back is going to be at sophomore or junior declaring for the NFL. So you're looking at guys like uh, Damian Martinez, who is, a, who is a true sophomore, right? Yep. Coming in, he's a true sophomore, number one ranked running back in the Pac-12 um, that that pretty much goes with the stats. Uh, you're probably not going to see him getting all the way through to his senior year because the shelf life, if you just look at the way that the running backs are going in the NFL right now with how many top-level RB1s have do not have a contract right now, uh, the shelf life is very short. They want to be able to uh, keep their legs uh, as, as long as they can. So you're probably not going to see him uh, make it all the way to that senior year. You're right. So junior dominates the top – college fantasy football production at running back. So 46% of the, the running backs that ranked in the top 36 um, were juniors. And sophomores and seniors were really close. So sophomores were 22%, seniors 24.5%, and uh, you know a, a, tall, a small fraction, 7.7% of the top 36 fantasy running backs last year were freshmen. Yeah. And running back is the kind of position where if you're a, if you're in a dynasty league, you can maybe take a chance on a freshman quarterback. If you're in a seasonal league, you want to stay away from freshman quarterbacks unless they are, you know, getting so much press and you know, they're going to be the starter because you don't normally see a freshman quarterback that gets handed the keys to an offense. Running backs, you see that a lot. And so when you're talking about a sophomore running back, a lot of times they've already been in that offense. Austin Genty, um, Damian Martinez are perfect examples that are probably going to be getting an uptick in their usage this season after having a great freshman year. When you look at some of these sophomores who you expect to kind of potentially pop off here, one that (laughs) strikes my... Uh, fancy or whatever you say, Relique Brown at USC. He's kind of moved. And there's this has been a little bit of a trend where you've got these running backs that move into a slot role, and it's going to be interesting to see how he's used. That could benefit him. Obviously, the more catches you get, the better. And uh, if it was from a fantasy perspective, if you're a you know PPR or half PPR league. But I like Relique Brown a lot. I just don't know where his touches are going to come from because they're so loaded at receiver. 
also loaded ahead of him with quality seasoned running backs. So I don't think he's going to be one of those uh, sophomore running backs that really take off. But I'm certainly intrigued by the talent and the opportunity. Yeah, you I don't even have him uh, ranked sophomore. very high at all on the list, do you? Like, I don't even see him on the list. He's down the list. Yeah, sure. and we, we talk about sophomore running backs that could potentially – you know, take a step up or whatever. And I think an intriguing one that's not on a lot of people's list, whether it be the Pac-12 all-conference or whoever, but he's not talked about a lot, is Jaquendon Jackson from Utah. Yep. Sophomore who was, you know, came into the college ranks as a quarterback. And, you know, I think he is somebody that might be overlooked in a lot of leagues, and I think it would be a mistake if he's overlooked in a lot of leagues, to be honest. Yeah, we've got him, let's see, 26th. Um, hasn't had a lot of games as a running back, but what you saw, um, and it looks like, you know, he's he looks like he's going to be the top of the depth chart at running back. Um, that's going to be interesting for sure. Um, he could be higher on the list, honestly, by the time the season comes around, Jaquinta Jackson could be up there. Yeah. We've got Relic in the like 130s. And that doesn't mean if he's in the 130s that he's not somebody you should consider taking, uh, in your draft. I mean, think about the number of players you have on your rosters in our league. Uh, you get seven running backs. So you're talking about 84 running backs could be on a roster and depending on if you want to be stashing somebody for head. future use. Good job. What's that? <laughs> Thank you, that sir. In your head? That's right. Human That's calculator awesome. over here. <laughs> um, uh, and then in our league, you can, you can uh, redshirt guys like younger guys. So you might even get up to a hundred running backs that could be drafted or could be on a roster. So he's not that far outside of that top 100. Um, all right. So let's move on to, to wide receivers in, uh, in the pack 12. Now we said running backs, Dropped all the way down to 16 for the top-ranked one because you have such high-ranked quarterbacks. You would expect there to be some high-ranked wide receivers that have to be on the receiving end of what these quarterbacks are doing, and that's pretty much what you see. Uh, So they've got Roma Dunze from Washington and Dorian Singer from USC as their first-team wide receivers. Jalen McMillan from Washington, Jacob Cowling from Arizona uh, as their second team. So right there, you've got a wide receiver from Washington on the first and second team. And then uh, at uh, the honorable mention, you got Tatoria uh, McMillan from Arizona. If I missed his name up, I'm sorry. Jeremiah Hunter from California, Travis Hunter from Colorado, and Troy Franklin from Oregon as the uh, as the honorable mentions. So uh, what do you guys think about that group? You got a Dunze and Singer at one, McMillan and Cowing at two, and then those other guys at the let honorable me, mention. Let me give you the Phil Steele real quick because <clears throat> it's different. So, Cowing and Adonze, um, yes, first team. Also, Taj Washington, first team, which uh, is super interesting to me because you're looking at the depth chart of all these wide receivers that USC has. Mario Williams came over with, with uh, Caleb Williams, etc. Singer coming over from Arizona as a proven player um, who, you know, killed it as a, as a freshman and Taj Washington, who didn't have a great year or anything last year, certainly played, you know, second or third fiddle 
uh, on the receiving core they had, but to put him up on first team, man, that would be risky uh, to rank him that high, I feel like, as compared to someone like a Troy Franklin or a Jalen McMillan who are a little better there. So I don't well, know. I think, that I think that also intriguing. shows a little bit of a difference between Phil Steele is talking about who he thinks – are the best guys out there, period. He's not talking about, here's from a fantasy perspective. Right. We're looking at fantasy. So I think that that may be where, if you were going to rank him that high on a fantasy perspective, I think that you both would have a very, uh, a very tough case <laughs> to say that he's going to be one of those top guys in fantasy this year. Phil Steele, it's a little more objective because he's just talking about, here's my top guys. He may not go out there and perform as well. He could be saying, Oh, but this guy was a great blocker. You know, he blocked well. And so that's why he got onto my list. And he has, he's not as much worried about stats as he has performance on the field uh, in, in all ways. I don't know. Even if I was projecting an all American team, I'd certainly still have McMillan or, I, or Franklin. I don't, him. little Taj. Yeah, I don't him. think I would, I don't think I would have a USC receiver in my all American team right now. Because I don't know who team, the ball is going to go to. Yeah, yeah. there's I, I can't tell you who the ball is going to go to. I, I you could make a case for sure for the two guys from Washington, McMillan and Adunze, probably cowing. And then I agree with you, Brian. I'd have to go like a Troy Franklin or somebody else for my second team. <laughs> I've looked at a lot of depth charts, read a lot about USC. Their wide receivers are loaded. So they've got, of course, Dorian Singer coming over from Arizona. They've got Mario Williams back on the roster again. Lose their top receiver. One of those guys you kind of expect to take over. But Taj Washington, he's, he's there. He's more of a slot, more shifty um, kind of guy. So he could get a, a nice volume of passes. And then you've got Brandon Rice. Zachariah Branch, not to mention, who's uh, you know the top receiver coming in, and then Kyron Hudson, also great, highly touted player. Um, man, it's going to be interesting to see how the ball gets shifted around. It's so much talent that for me, from a fantasy po uh, point of view, unless you're getting great value, I'm not touching anybody because I don't think you're going to get good value in a draft. Um, on any of those players. All right, so let's uh, let's move on down to tight end. So tight ends, you got uh, Brant Keithy at Utah, first team tight end. Benjamin Urasek from Stanford as a second teamer, and then your honorable mentions: Jalen Conyers, Arizona State; Terrence Ferguson from Oregon. Um, I think that the obvious Brant Keithy being first team is pretty obvious. You got the guy, he got injured early in the season last year. His replacement went high in the first round of the NFL draft. So that's pretty unbelievable that Keithy was ahead of the guy that got drafted in the first round. Now he mm -hmm. gets to come back and see if he's recovered from that injury and show why he was the starter previously at Utah. Um, you guys have any, any thoughts on what they've got listed as, as far as the tight ends go there? You said it. I mean, it's all about Keithy to me. Uh, Conyers, though. Conyers is a highlight reel. Um, he's got the size, the physicality. Um, he plays angry. 
the only thing I worry about is the passing attack and who's throwing him the ball. Um, if they if they have a you know good option there, and we'll see a few weeks into the season. Conyers is one of those guys who could be a sleeper that you can get middle round ish. Um, see mm-hmm. where we have him. Uh, we actually we've got him at the as the ninth best tight end. Yeah, I was um, gonna say you got you got Keithy and Conyers in the top ten, and you don't have Eurosec coming in until sixteen. And we all know, and anybody that's played college fantasy knows, a tight end at sixteen in college fantasy, uh, you don't really want. I mean, you, that that's not somebody you're gonna be banking your uh, banking your championship run on. Right. Doesn't mean you don't want him on your squad, but uh, even though he's ranked in the second team, I don't know if sixteen is what you want to be looking at. <laughs> right. Stanford's just got a rough offense, so. It's hard to, you know, put somebody like that on the top of your fantasy list. He's probably, he, in, in in my opinion, he's great for, for future, you know, NFL type guy. But as far as helping you get over the edge for that college fantasy championship, he's probably just not the guy. Well, in Stanford, if, if you look back a few years ago, back to Christian McCaffrey years, Stanford is probably going to be a bottom feeder. Um, for the foreseeable future because Stanford does not interact with uh, the transfer portal. Stanford is very, very inactive in the transfer portal. It's just part of what they are as a school. And so they are falling behind everybody else. That's why Stanford is so bad and falling off the radar. So I would always be careful about picking anybody from Stanford unless they are someone that comes in like a Christian McCaffrey that is just jumping off the blue chip board, so to speak. Uh, because Stanford in and of itself, the way that it is designed, its program is not designed for uh, for sports um, to accelerate now at this point with their, their policies on the transfer portal. I think, uh, too, the number two tight end in Utah could potentially outperform a lot of number one tight ends in the Pac-12. Uh, Yasmin, I think his name is. Man, he could potentially point. outperform a lot of number one tight ends I think uh, I think Doug just made a I think Doug just made his very first preseason brisket lock right there. <laughs> man, that's a that's an intense that's an intense comment right there, man. We'll have to we'll have to keep our eye on that as the season goes on and see if Doug's preseason brisket lock, um, if if that was a real one or if that was just a practice. <laughs> I, I I I will stand by the fact that I think Yasmin will outperform multiple number one tight ends in the Pac-12. All right, that that that's even that's even you just you just uh you just changed it up and you you doubled down on it. I like it. I like it. All right, so we'll uh we'll move on. We don't even have to really cover it. We'll just make sure that it's stated on here, um, because everybody's <laughs> got to have kickers. So kickers in the uh, first team is going to be Joshua Cardi from Stanford. Doesn't surprise me. You got a Stanford kicker up there because their offense is probably not going to be putting up a ton of touchdowns. Uh, so he's probably going to get a lot of opportunities at field goals. Um, then Camden Lewis from Oregon is the uh, second team. Then you've got Tyler Loop from Arizona, Dean Janikowski, no relation, uh, at Washington State as the honorable mentions. But then return specialist, because most everybody's going to have a defense they have to pick, and you're going to be getting your special teams points. Uh, <clears throat> you got your return specialist, Anthony Gould and Silas Bolden. Both from Oregon State are your first and second team returners. I think that's very interesting that they've picked two guys from Oregon State to sweep their first and second team special teams. And then you go down to the return specialist. Um, 
for that's honorable mentions, you got Jimmy Horn Jr. from Colorado and the guy that Brian mentioned earlier, Relic Brown from USC. So yeah. maybe that's where your Relic Brown value is going to come from is if you've got the USC defense, you might be able to get some points from him on the special team go. side of the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Take the <laughs> USC defense. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm taking the USC defense. I'm not saying I'm taking them. Hey, but man, uh, I'm just saying that could be where you get some points. points to, they might take you from negative points to two. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, you guys have any further things you want to say, any final things you want to say about the Pac-12 uh, before we move on? No, no, I've got no, SEC good. up here. I'm ready to go. All right, so here we go with the SEC. So for the Pac-12, we pull up the actual article from the Pac-12 itself. Uh, for this one, we're going to be looking at pro football focus. Just the other day, it's the most recent article that we could find. They put out their all SEC teams, first, second, and third team. We're going to go about this in the same way that we just went about the SEC. We're going to take a look at the article. We're going to take a look at our uh, CFBDynasty.com cheat sheet. And then BMAX got the Phil Steele and some other, uh, other items over there. We're going to kind of compare and see uh, see if there's agreement or disagreement between the, the, different, the different sources. So SEC, first team at quarterback, they've got Jaden Daniels from LSU. Second team, they have Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. Oh. And then third team, they've got K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas. So that is the three quarterbacks that they've got listed. What do you guys think as SEC shills over there? Here's, what do you think um, about Jaden Daniels, Spencer Rattler, K.J. Jefferson? That's interesting. Here's what uh, Phil Steele has. He's got Jaden Daniels agreement there at number one. K.J. Jefferson, number two. Joe Milton. <laughs> third team and then will rogers at mississippi state in like an offense change uh fourth team so mm-hmm. interesting to have rattler up there i know south carolina's got a tough schedule and uh they've got a good offense for it and go to wide receivers um so i don't hate the rattler pick it's just more hype than i've seen you see more around you know joe milton than Rattler. If you had to take one of the two, Doug, who would you rather have on your team if it came down to Milton or Rattler? Rattler? Or Milton. Yep. I'm in a redraft I mean, league. In a, are we talking just college? College yeah, redraft, only. Redraft. redraft league. Yeah, I'm going Milton. Yeah. I, w- going, I would I, go Milton, but the, the only thing that would give me pause would be how are the Tennessee players going to be affected by the the sanctions that just came down on the school. Obviously, they're not going to be losing out on too much on the field, but Tennessee, they just work, work hard for recruiting violations. Is that going to have any kind of psychological effect on the field? That's the only thing that I would think. I mean, I wouldn't take Milton, but I would just have a little bit of pause, wondering if there's going to be any psychological effect on the Tennessee team itself, knowing that they're going to be under that cloud of the uh, recruiting violations and, and that, uh, that uh, judgment. I mean, honestly, I hope so. They come to the swamp week three and uh, <laughs> hopefully they're feeling, but I don't think it's going to affect them whatsoever. I think they're going to be great. I agree. I think Milton is a, uh, is a key target there in terms of fantasy. And, uh, and if we're looking at just sec and where we've got, these guys, Joe Milton, we have at 14, um, and then a couple <coughs> spots down from there at 17, we've got Jaden Daniels 
And then right above him at 16, KJ Jefferson. So I feel like we're kind of in line where these aren't the elite of the elite. You take all those Pac-12 guys we talked about in the top three above these guys, but um, they're in the second tier. You really want to target having one of these guys as your QB2 or if you're super lucky, uh, QB3. Um, and, I, and I think the guy that, that you got at 19, Jalen Norrow, is probably a guy you want to really keep your eye on because historically in the last you know decade or so, Alabama quarterbacks have performed incredibly outside of last year. Um, and, uh, and I don't mean outside of last year, I'm just saying outside as far as, as, far as a fantasy performance goes. Uh, but that <laughs> Alabama quarterback position has really been good for you when it comes to not just fantasy perspective, but also pro potential. So whoever the starter is at Alabama at quarterback is probably somebody you're going to see on a, not on a redraft side, but on a, on a future side for, for years to come. We've gone full circle and uh, camp's going to start soon, but uh, we had some Milrow hype and then we had uh, the Buckner transfer in after the spring was over and a lot of Buckner hype. A lot of people just assume it's his old OC. He'll get the start. And now I think yesterday or the day before, Greg McElroy was talking about uh, Ty Simpson. And so now there's a lot of Ty Simpson hype out there. And we haven't even played uh, practice to get some fun highlights or, or whatever yet. That's going to affect that. Uh, everyone's sentiment towards who's going to start there. So I uh, I like Milrow a lot. If, if you had the unfortunate um, scenario where you had to draft today, I don't think Milrow is worthy of being drafted as a QB2 just because it's way up in the air right now. That's one, as news comes out, there's just going to be change there probably in our, in our rankings. Because if Milrow somehow was miraculously solidified as the starter, man, I, I, he's going to move up a few spots uh, potentially. All right, so we're going to move on to running backs now. And, and as we talked about with the Pac-12, you saw high-ranked quarterbacks, high-ranked wide receivers, and running backs were way down the board. The SEC is the complete opposite. You've got middle-of-the-road, second-tier quarterbacks. You're probably going to see the same thing at wide receiver. But running backs, top the list. Uh, you've got Quinshaw Judkins from Ole Miss and Raheem Sanders from Arkansas, both on the first team. And if you look at the CFBDynasty.com rankings, they are currently the number one and number two overall running backs, period, uh, in college fantasy football. So the top two guys for the SEC are also the top two guys at CFBDynasty.com. Uh, second team, Kendall Milton from Georgia, Jace McClellan from Alabama. And then third team, Jarquez Hunter from Auburn, Trevor Etienne from Florida. Uh, BMAC, what is, uh, what is Fistile looking like over there on his rankings? Uh, obviously – uh agrees with the first team with rocket and judkins uh second team jace mcclellan jarquez hunter um third team kendall milton it's it's really all interchanged and and whatnot pretty close to pff there and then ray davis is also on the third team out of kentucky um you hope they've got their o-line figured out and ray davis is a great back he's a sleeper for sure if you're not aware of him it's because he played at Vanderbilt and now he doesn't play at Vanderbilt so um Ray Davis is one that 
Uh, let's see. We've got him kind of high, I think. Oh, Ray Davis, We've you have him in the top 20. 20. You have yeah, top 20. 20th. So, solid. I mean, he did average 15 fantasy points a game last year at Vanderbilt. So, um, you can expect that to go up. And he's in a system that'll be great for, for running backs. So, I like that a lot. And then fourth team, Trevor Etienne and Jalen Wright. So there's a lot of ETN hype and we we're part of the hype too, where we just think he's the better player. Um, not that Montreal Johnson's bad at Florida and they're also going to be super run heavy like Alabama. Both of these, the Gators and, and Alabama's O-lines are going to be massive Georgia too, obviously, but the O-lines in terms of size is going to be massive. Um, and potentially run heavy in in those offenses. So you like the SEC in terms of running backs. <clears throat> there are – so we've got McClellan at 13. Um, yeah, Ray Davis there at 20. Jarquez Hunter at 22. A lot of quality fantasy uh, running backs coming out of the SEC this year. So you've got, you've got ETN – ranked at 37 and then you've got Montreal Johnson at 54. Do you think that if, uh, if one of the two of those guys became the unquestioned number one guy with the other guy being the B not one a and one B that you would see one of those guys move up the rankings a little bit or yeah, is our position sure. yeah. kind of depressed a little bit because there's, you might have a little bit of committee action going on. Yeah, for sure. There's cam Carroll behind those two and he'll be the running back three and he's a big back and can get some, Goal line carry. So let's say one of them unfortunately got hurt. Yeah, the other one would move up the rankings a lot. I don't think there's any bit of news that will come out other than an injury that could affect it going into draft season. But yeah, there's so that's one of those that you could take. You you kind of feel pretty good about taking them as an RB four on your team. Um, they're certainly not someone you want to rely on, but yeah, as the season goes along and one of them were to take off for one reason or another, you're looking at RB2 type of production at RB4 or RB5 value. So yeah, you got to like that a lot. All right, so let's move on to the wide receivers. Pro Football Focus's list has got Dominic Lovett from Georgia, Malik Neighbors from LSU, and Zachary Franklin from Ole Miss all on the first team. <clears throat> They've got Moose Muhammad the third from Texas A&M, Ladd McConkey from Georgia, and Juice Wells from South Carolina on the second team. Third team, they got Doug's guy, Squirrel White from Tennessee, Evan Stewart from Texas A&M, and Ja'Cory Brooks from Alabama on the third team. What do you guys think about uh, those guys as the first, second, and third team? And uh, is there anybody that you think uh, – kind of got left off the list there well there's a lot of fluctuation between that and phil Steele. so you got malik neighbors and antoine wells um and jermaine burton uh, on the first team uh burton's an interesting one uh to be listed on the first team and then second team lad mcconkey who i like a lot uh will mm -hmm. shepherd at vanderbilt um and then brew mccoy at tennessee um i guess we're assuming touchdowns there if you've got him second team All-American uh, as opposed to Squirrel White. And then third team, Anaya Smith, Luther Burden, 
then Ricky Pearsall, and then fourth team, Ja'Cory Brooks, Zachary Franklin, Barry, and Brown. Um, I like the fourth team. I think um, probably better than the third team there, but Luther Burden, obviously, I would I would move up. I think Burden is a breakout potential kind of guy. He's someone that I would target if he was available uh, ahead of kind of where he is because I think he's going to produce there because I just think he's so talented, so good. If <clears throat> there's a off-season jump in terms of, you know, ability, route running, has he put in all the work? Man, he could be elite, elite um, in terms of fantasy week in and week out. So, so Doug, I'm going to direct this at you. So the top-ranked wide receiver in the SEC, as far as CFB Dynasty is concerned, as far as fantasy goes, is at number 15, your guy Squirrel White. Do you feel like he's being disrespected over here, being only on the third team, saying that he is the seventh best wide receiver out there from from Pro Football Focus, or do you feel like and hey, not you're just looking at on the Phil Steele All American? Yeah, not so. on the Phil Steele at all, and he is the top ranked fantasy wide receiver per CFBDynasty.com. I think there's a little bit of disrespect there. I think uh, I, it's kind of what. You know, <clears throat> Brian said earlier, though, they could be going based off of a touchdown type scenario where I think Squirrel White could be could crush it in yards. But the closer they get down to the end zone, they will target their bigger guys. Um, so I, I think Squirrel White's biggest touchdown potential is if he breaks a couple of receptions and, you know, busts the field wide open kind of thing. Um, but I do think a lot of people are looking at it based off touchdowns probably, but I think Squirrel White's going to be their yardage guy. I think Antoine Wells gets uh, not disrespect or whatever. I just think he's lesser known. In terms of talent, he's elite You know, with Rattler and that offense. you know, There's real great potential for Wells, for Burden, for neighbors also all those guys to kind of take off we've got them slotted next to each other and this is we don't do rankings you know by conference with that in mind but it's wells at 19 burden at 20 neighbors at 21 uh like all of those guys barry and brown i I kind of feel like uh he's in a good position to take off but not a ton of love around the country for him kind of Odd to me, he's 27th on our rankings, and uh, he'll be a sophomore with um, Leary throwing to him, right? So yeah, it's going to be potentially a better offense at Kentucky. I kind of like Brown. I like Ray Davis at running back, and it just kind of hinges on that O-line, and that's kind of one of those things that do they gel and um, or or do they not? Are they not as good as as their star ratings and blah, blah, blah? Do they kind of underperform again? Because we saw that a lot last year with uh, Levis getting sacked uh, every other play. If uh, if Leary and the offensive coordinator gel there, I think that there could be a huge year for Kentucky. Um, As I've said many times, I think the offensive coordinator last year at NC State was absolutely terrible. The offense that he called, um, I I cannot remember – a season where I jumped off the couch screaming at, at the the ridiculous play calls and the, and the strategy as many times as I did last year. 
And um, I think it really was a disservice to all the offensive talent. So hopefully Leary and that offensive coordinator can gel. And if he does, I think it's going to be a great statistical year for all those Kentucky offensive players. Going back to like February, March, we did have one wide receiver that dropped like a rock from like number two, I think was his highest down to 29 Zakari Franklin. It just, he went from UTSA to Ole Miss. I don't know what's going to happen there. at The quarterback position, how much they're going to be throwing the ball, et cetera. Zakari is obviously a great player, but um, you know, it's going to be a different league for him going from yeah. going into the SEC. He also so, doesn't have a seventh. He also doesn't have a seventh year quarterback starting right, a quarterback right. for him with all that true. experience. Yeah, true. Um, real quick before we move on from receivers, so we've got and and I think it was Phil Phil Steele who had a was it Pearsall at third on the yep. third team. So when you look at our rankings or whatever, you know we have him at 107, um, and he's the first Gator on our rankings. So there's. You know, again, like I mentioned earlier in the show, you like we look at things from a fantasy perspective, and it does not mean that, um, like for me personally, I think Pearsall could potentially have a great NFL career ahead of him. He's got great hands, runs amazing routes. Um, he's somebody you can rely on on third downs for sure. Um, you know, you look at him similar to, you know, an Adam Thielen style type player, um, in the pros, um, so just keep in mind that, you know, the quarterback situation at four to two has a lot to play in these fantasy choices. So yeah, if you if you're in a league like ours to where it's college to pro or whatever, 107 doesn't mean we don't think he's going to have a good NFL career. I mean, you guys, if you're on YouTube, you see my Florida hat, but <laughs> we're we're not planning on Florida necessarily having a great passing attack, and that's why Pearsall's down there. Of of course, it's a show us first kind of thing. Um, we want to see mm-hmm. if Mertz can be consistent against the teams that are that are there, and how much will Florida throw, etc. So Pearsall, yeah, he's there's some upside there because he is going to be the unquestioned top target, um, but also he's going to get the unquestioned top defender in a really good conference. So we'll see. Um, how things kind of play out there. Like we've got three Tennessee wide receivers ahead of the first Gator. And I think that's totally valid. I wouldn't change anything. Uh, All right. So let's, uh, let's move on to tight ends really quick. So basically tight ends starts and ends with Brock Bowers at UGA. Um, (laughs) Bowers, Bowers, Bowers. Yeah. He's uh, he is the unquestioned number one at tight end. Um, If you look at our cheat sheet, I would say personally, once you get outside the top three tight ends, that the drop off is huge. It's probably Bowers. Then the next two guys are right underneath him. And then after that, it's a huge drop off. So if you've got the opportunity to get Bowers, Kife, or uh, Aranda Guess in the second, uh, those are the three guys. Bowers, head and shoulders, is above everyone. Um, second team is uh, CJ Dippery from Alabama. Third team, Mason Taylor from LSU. Um, you guys have any other comments you want to make about the tight end position? The Ole Miss one's so, kind of tricky because you've got we've got them back to back. Number fourteen, Michael Trigg. Number fifteen, Caden Prescorn, the transfer. And uh, Trigg averaged eight per game last year, but 
battled some injuries, pre-scoring, averaged 14, but played at a small school and transferred in. So we'll see how that one shakes out because that one's going to be tough, man, for, for getting any fantasy value since they've got two. Are they going to use two tight ends as much as Utah? I think it's going to be really difficult to draft and good, get good value out of Ole Miss from the passing game. Um, but, yeah, I like, uh, I like Dupree. I think when you've got inexperience uh, at Alabama and a, a quality tight end transferring in, taking over as the top spot, um, I think he can be, you know, a safety blanket. And um, I, I like Dupree there as our second SEC tight end off the board. All right, so let's move on to uh, the tight ends and the specialists. Excuse me, kickers and specialists. Part of the thing with the specialists is they all just have such good names in the SEC that I just want to read them or have Doug, you know, correct me on the bad pronunciation on some of these guys because some of these names are unbelievable. So, so first we're going to go to um, kickers. You got first team Harrison Mevis from uh, Missouri is the top kicker, which is interesting because we've got um, Alabama's um, Will Richard at number one. Riker. And he's the yep. well, Riker, excuse me, Riker. And uh, Riker is the, the second team for uh for pro football focus so they've got they've got uh missouri's kicker above record which is very interesting and then third team they've got mitch jeter from south carolina so um what do you guys think about them uh putting somebody above record we've got him as the number one kicker out there period well mevis in terms of potential for the nfl He's he's up there, um, and I, I think it's just like a difference. That's a PFF, right? Pro Football Focus. So I think Mevis being ahead is is fine, but from a fantasy perspective, oh, it's way different. So it's a uh, heavily based on your team's propensity to score uh, points. So Reichert we have as the number one kicker in all of the country at Alabama. And then we've got Zirkel, new kicker for Georgia, and then Charles Campbell, Tennessee, those respectively at three and four. So I think that's how it'll play out pretty easily. Those would be the top few kickers that I'd be looking at from the SEC and all around the country. All right, so let's go to the specialist here. So I might get his name wrong, but we're going to say it a couple of different ways. They've got the top return specialist as Lydiatric. Lydiatric Griffin yep. from Mississippi State. The second team is Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama. Phil Steele so far is right in line with that. Yep. And then third team is the guy Brian talked about a little bit earlier, Barry and Brown from Kentucky. So again, are these defenses that you'd want to take for a, a fantasy perspective? Alabama, obviously, yes, you would. But it just goes to show that there is um, – there is some other value where you could get yourself some special teams points because of having some elite special teamers there. Yeah, I like um, both of those guys a lot. Kool-Aid is going to be a great NFL player. And then when we were doing the article, when we did the expert Q&A with the Mississippi State guy, he was talking a lot about Griffin being the, the top target easily for them. So he's someone that is absolutely a sleeper someone that you can target hopefully for you as like a wide receiver five or six depending on how deep your league is but um 
I like Griffin a lot out of Mississippi State, and I think mm-hmm. uh, he's someone that I, I've definitely got my eye on. All right, guys, so that is the show for the SEC and the Pac-12. As we talked about earlier in the show, drafts and the college football season week zero are coming right down the pike. Doug, if you were going to pitch to someone who's watching this show why they should join the Discord, why they should go and sign up for a subscription to cfbdynasty.com so they can get their hands on these sheets, what would your pitch be to somebody to try and get them to go up there and uh, and get on the Discord and sign up for the cfbdynasty.com site itself? Well, it's just simply we're the smartest and most attractive guys that are doing these podcasts. But um, no, um, for real though, I think, uh, you know, we put a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of research into these things. And in the short time that I have been in this league and you guys can vouch for it, you know, it's helped me become successful pretty quick in the college football world. So um, we are doing something right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, and that's just simply put in the short four years, I've, you know, I've already made it to a championship, things of that nature. Yes, I lost, but it's helped me become successful and competitive every week. And I can tell you, I think one of the most helpful things that I've seen over the course of the season was being up on that discord and uh, being able to get those weekly, who should I start looking at the articles that are on the, the CFP dynasty page, but then also going and having the ability to talk to some other guys that are out there to get some different perspectives. Um, I know just from the interaction last year, it was huge. We know people that were winning and losing games just because of the interaction and the, and the mm-hmm. debate and the discussion that was happening on the cfbdynasty.com discord channel. So I don't know what you guys are waiting for. Get your butts up there. Get yourself <laughs> thinking back in, uh, in college fantasy football mode, come hang out with us and we'll go from there. So BMAC, what's the next show on? What, what conferences are we going to for, for next week's show? I think it's big 10, big 12 next show. And, um, yeah, we'll be out next week, right? So I'll be traveling, you'll be traveling, and um, we'll just double up the, the following week. Um, hey, that sounds good to me because that means there's going to be that much more information out there. We'll knock them out, Valid. and uh, we'll go from there. And, and guys, for weeks like that, man, when, when we're in between or whatever, hit up the Discord. Let's still chat, you know. We're always available to chat on Discord, chat on you know, all these avenues hit us up on YouTube on these videos just because we're traveling or, you know, on vacation or whatever doesn't mean we're not available to, to answer your questions if you have them. And if you guys have information, if you guys are, hey, I'm a fan of X team and this bit of news came down, shoot it over to us. Let us know. We'll make sure that you get credited with uh, with um, getting us that information because we want to make sure we give credit where credit's due and, um, you know, help us to be able to make the most cons- the most um, full and all-encompassing site that there is out there. All right, guys, that's it for the show today. On behalf of that guy down there, Brian McElfresh, and that guy over there, hey, I pointed the right direction, <laughs> Doug Gravely. My name is Matt Knowles. We thank you guys for coming out, listening, or watching this podcast. We'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.